and the furnace for gold. But man is tested by the praise he receives. Though you grind a fool in a mortar, grinding him like a grain with a pestle, you will not remove his folly from him. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears and grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed you and your family and to nourish your servant girls. This is the word of the Lord. Morning everyone, my name's Joel, I'm the, the minister here at St Stephen's and it's uh, nice to see you on this sunny morning. Uh, I thought I'd just mention quickly a, a quick thanks to, to those who've been uh, hosting uh, hobbies and hospitality events over this weekend. We, we've had a sort of church-wide social thing happening and so there's been a number of different activities. So thank you to those who've, who've organised those and, and come along. Uh, I, ha- I had a nice walk through the, the fairy forest yesterday. Uh, it was very very good fun and uh, a good turnout as well. Uh, so I hope that's been enjoyable for those of you who've been a part of that. We're continuing in, in Proverbs, as, as we've heard, uh, so why don't we pray, ask for God's help, and, and uh, see what he has to say to us on this topic of work. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, this morning, and thank you for uh, your graciousness towards us. Thank you for your love uh, that we've been reminded of already in, in different ways through this service. And we pray you'd uh, give us great wisdom now as we think about uh, this topic of work uh, in a way that's different to how we normally uh, look at your word. So so please give us uh, attentiveness, give us understanding, uh, and may it be for our use and, and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jack works in retail, uh, but he's he's become very bored in his job. It's It's not as exciting as it once was. And he's actually been a little bit stroppy around the workplace. Uh, He wonders what God really thinks about his work. Is it completely pointless uh, in the the scheme of things? Sally is a a nurse at the hospital, and she's been under the pump for the last three years. Uh, There's been times where, where people have been really unkind to her, and her current boss just clearly doesn't appreciate uh, much of what she does. She often thinks about whether the the sacrifices that she's making at work are really worth it and whether God uh, has bigger and better plans for her. Angela is currently nursing a three-month-old while also caring for uh, her two other children and she feels as though she's a complete failure. She had great hopes and dreams about what family life would be like but in between the, the fighting kids and the sleepless nights, She's wondering whether she's just not cut out for parenting. She puts on a brave face when she's out and about, when she's at church, but deep down she doesn't know why she even bothers putting in all this effort with her kids when she just ends up feeling uh, miserable, underappreciated and and run down. For most of us, uh, the work that we do takes up a a fair chunk of our lives. Some of us spend more time at work than, than we do with our families, 
And work has a big impact on the way we think about how our lives are going. At times our work can bring us joy and satisfaction, uh, knowing we're helping others in some way, knowing we're providing for our needs and, and for the needs of others. But at other times it can feel demanding, uh, unfulfilling, frustrating, or, or in some cases even pointless. And I'm sure many of us have, have wondered about what God really thinks about our work. Does it matter to him? Does he care about it? Uh, we've been going through this, this book of Proverbs, and if you've been with us the, the last couple of weeks, you'll have noticed that uh, Proverbs is an intensely practical book. Uh, it's an uncomfortable book to look at in terms of the, way, the ways it challenges us at times, and, and the last two weeks have been no exception. But it's also a wonderfully uh, profitable book. And we've been thinking about different topics. Last week we were thinking about the tongue and how we use our words. And this morning it's this important topic of work. Uh, and it is an important topic. Uh, the average person, uh, person in their lifetime will spend 90,000 hours at work. Uh, some of you, I'm sure, will be even more. The Bible does talk about work a, a fair amount. But when we think about work, it's easy to fall into the trap of only thinking about a paid job. Uh, but, but work is much broader than that. That the stay-at-home parent is, is working, the volunteer is working, uh, being a student is working hard, at least in theory. Uh, some people here are, are retired and, and you find yourselves busier than ever, doing all sorts of valuable things with your time. Uh, work is, is much more than just a paid job. But there are all sorts of things that God calls us to, uh, because there are all sorts of things that God calls us to that, that may not be paid work, but they are still work. So what do we learn about work in the Bible? Uh, well, there is, there is much we can learn, but this morning I just want to focus on four things that will help us as we think about work. Uh, the first one is, is, is not from the book of Proverbs, but it's an important one. Firstly, work is good. Uh, and this is a slight detour, and the reason being, it's something that is assumed in Proverbs, that, that work is good. Now, because work is something that's been ingrained in us ever since the creation of the world. Uh, you see it in the book of Genesis. One of the first things that God does is he works. He creates the world and everything in it. And he makes it look easy. He simply just speaks and everything happened. Uh, if only our work was as simple as speaking, says the guy who's preaching. Uh, Genesis 1.28 tells us that a man, and a, uh, a man and a woman are to work, to rule over everything. And then in chapter 2, verse 15, he puts the man in the garden and tells him to work it and take care of it. Uh, and I point this out in the beginning uh, because work was a good thing at that point. Uh, and many of us, uh, when many of us think of work, we work so that we can, we can rest, so that we can play, do the, do the things we want to do with our spare time. Uh, we dream of retiring and not having to work anymore. And our mindset to work is, is often to rest, work to rest, rather than rest to work. Uh, we see work as kind of being this necessary evil, rather than a good thing that God has given us. And that is in part because of the fall. That's why we see it this way. In Genesis 3, sin entered the world and impacted the way we work. And what were some of the consequences? Uh, Genesis 3.16 says, uh, God says to the woman, I will make your pains in childbearing severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. 
Uh, he says to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. By the sweat of your brow you will eat food until you return to the ground. So sin, sin very clearly uh, impacts our work. And that's the case even today. We have moments where we doubt whether our work is a good thing. We would have had uh, people here will have had experiences at work that have that have been so terrible that you've you've never wanted to go back. But as we were reminded in, in Genesis one and two, there is something good about work, something right about it. And Proverbs uh, rightly makes this assumption: work is a good thing, and that helps us. Uh, and it helps us to think about our work in a godly way, in a wise way. So Proverbs says, uh, firstly, uh, sorry, the second point we make, we see, work, first point we see, work is good. Uh, the second point from Proverbs, work hard. Uh, verses 23 and 24 of our passage says this. Uh, firstly, verse 23, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Uh, in the days when, when Proverbs was written, it was fairly common for people to have plots of land and to have flocks on the land. And the encouragement is to care for the flocks and herds well. Now, if you don't know the condition of your flocks, then you're probably not working hard enough. And the consequence of, of a lack of this kind of hard work over a period of time is seen in verse 24. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. If you fail to work hard, uh, you can be sure that it's going to impact not only you, but those who come after you. The riches will, will disappear very quickly, and poor leadership in, in one generation can lead to the loss of leadership in the next generation. Your work is important, not just for you, but those for those who will come after you. Now, if you neglect your responsibilities at work, if you don't know what's happening in your, your own backyard, then you'll be in for a rude awakening when things don't go well. And that idea is, is built on in, in Proverbs uh, 28, verse 19. Those who work the land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. There's a wisdom in being committed to fulfilling your responsibilities at work. And this is a warning against chasing after fantasies that are unlikely to succeed uh, when you have the means of work right there in front of you. Uh, if we're forever looking for that next best idea to get a, a quick buck rather than being willing to, to kind of work hard over a sustained period of time. If we get drawn in by that investment that promises to triple our money overnight, well, Proverbs tells us that we shouldn't be surprised if poverty comes our way. Now, remember with Proverbs, there are, there are always exceptions to the rule. Uh, Proverbs tells us that uh, it tells us what's generally true in life. Generally speaking, if you, if you do A, you can expect B to happen as a consequence. And Proverbs tells us that that one consequence of us failing to work hard is poverty. Now, poverty is something that's mentioned a lot in, in Proverbs. I, I think the word poor comes up over 15 times, and it often relates to the way a person works. Take Proverbs 10.4, for example. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. We know that there are many reasons a person might end up in poverty. Sometimes uh, hard-working people end up in poverty. There are circumstances out of our control that can lead to poverty. But it's also generally true that hard work 
will lead to more prosperous outcomes more often than not. Uh, than not. And one way that Proverbs encourages us to work hard is by observing the humble ant. Uh, ants do most of our heads in it uh, from time to time, but there is much we can learn from these, these little workhorses. And it's quite humbling in a sense, isn't it, that uh, when we realise that we need to turn to an ant to learn about hard work. Uh, Proverbs 6, 6 to 8 says this, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. The ants might appear to be nothing more than sugar thieves, but when they have, but they do have a great wisdom in the way they go about things, storing up things in the warmer months to allow themselves food at other times. And the impressive thing about ants is they, they don't need to be told what to do. They're proactive. They just head out and search for food and often find it. And you can just imagine how much better, better off would, we would be in life if we were a bit, little bit more forward-thinking like the ant, planning for, for all those things that will come up, the, the bills, planning for those unexpected expenses, the sudden travel that's required because a loved one is unwell, the cost of that treatment which you, you never thought that you would need. And when these things hit, it can cause a, a great panic among us. We feel stressed and, and we feel worried. We have sleepless nights as we wonder whether things will turn out okay. But planning, like the humble ant, can help us ease some of these feelings. Just imagine the amount of stress that could be uh, reduced in life with a bit of forward planning. It's often when we get stressed that, that our regular routines, uh, our regular time with God goes out the window. Time in his word, uh, time talking to God in prayer and investing uh, in other things that are going to help us in the faith. So planning can, can assist us in, in all these things. So plan your work, plan your day. It will help you in the long run. Uh, and I know some of you are, are very, very good at this. Uh, so work is good, uh, so, so work hard. Work is good, so work hard. Next, work with integrity. Uh, while we can learn from the ant, we can also learn from each other. Uh, learn from people like the man of integrity in Proverbs 10.9. The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. You come across uh, people of integrity in, in life uh, from time to time, and, and when you do, you're often drawn to them. You, you trust them. If you work along, alongside someone of integrity, there's something pleasant about the way that they conduct themselves. If you hire someone to uh, do some work for you, say around the house, and they show integrity in their work, what, what's your response? Well, you often hire them the next time you need some work done, or you end up telling others about how great a job they did for you. You end up spreading the word. And when it comes to our work, our integrity matters, uh, and it's also noticed by others. If we're always, say, overcharging for our services, or if we're doing the bare minimum, uh, cutting corners, we may not realise it, but people take notice. Integrity can be shown in different ways. Uh, one of those is in our ability to own up when we make mistakes. Uh, a lot of work that's done these days is, is done alongside others. Uh, maybe not phys physically, some, some people work from home, but it's often done in a, a team or uh, an organisation. And owning mistakes when we make them, rather than, than blaming others or, or even staying silent, can actually lead to people 
trusting us with more. Uh, imagine you're at work and uh, your work's got company cars and one day you have to take the car out to, to do a job and you're reversing and you accidentally bump into a pole. And you could say nothing and, and pretend like it never happened. Most people wouldn't even notice and no one would be able to trace it back to you. Or you could own up to your mistake. And there might be some immediate consequences, but in the long run, when, when people realize that you're a person of integrity, they actually appreciate it. They trust you. More often than not, our, our integrity wins people over. And more so than that, it is pleasing to our God, uh, which is the motivation in Proverbs 11.1. 1. The Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are his delight. Now, say you're someone who, who runs your own business or, or you employ others you're, you're, or you're a contractor uh, and it's possible to, to overcharge people, to, to underpay people in terms of the work they're doing. It's possible to be greedy and, and make all your decisions for your own personal gain. But remember, the Lord sees what you are doing and he hates dishonesty. He detests it. Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright guides them but the, the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. You come across situations in your working life where you will have the opportunity to take shortcuts, to be deceitful. The person of integrity is guided by knowing that it's more important to do the right thing than it is to do the easy thing. Uh, and if you open up your, your Bible, you'll see example after example of this. Uh, think of uh, Joseph in the book of Genesis and, and his integrity in his work when he's pursued by a married man's wife. Think of Ruth uh, working to care for her, mo her mother-in-law when she could have easily walked away. Think of our Lord Jesus doing the will of his Father in heaven, despite knowing the great personal costs that would come to him. Work is a, a good thing, so work with integrity, no matter the cost to you. Now, integrity might cost you your reputation among your colleagues who don't value it, it might cost you friendships. It might even, in some circumstances, cost you your job. And with all of these potential costs, it's, it's not hard to see how easy it is to compromise our integrity as we work. Now, the way we, we counter that is by remembering that working with integrity pleases our God. So work hard. Work with integrity. Uh, the fourth thing that Proverbs does when, when thinking about our work is that it warns us against being a sluggard. Uh, and this is a, a big barrier to hard work and, and working with integrity. Most of us, when it comes to our work, will we'll falter in one of two ways. We'll work so hard that we, we put so much into our work and it can become an unhealthy part of our identity. Our worth can be kind of defined by our work. That's one trap we might fall into. Uh, but Proverbs is more concerned about another approach to work. The approach of the pers this person is, is described as the sluggard. Now here, is, here are some of the descriptions we find about the sluggard. Proverbs 26.14 As a door turns on its hinges, so the sluggard turns on his bed. And it's a, a great description. You, you can p picture someone lying there. Uh, just when it sounds like there are signs of life in the morning, false alarm. It's just them rolling over. And it doesn't matter if it's the, the first thing in the morning or early afternoon, there is no separating this man from his bed. Uh, verse 15 is even more impressive. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, 
but he is too lazy to bring it back to his own mouth. Too lazy to even move the, move the food to his mouth. It's a whole different level. Uh, and I should remind us that this isn't talking about a person who's, who's unwell, uh, who has a chronic illness and is bedridden and, and literally can't work. This is someone who, who can work but chooses to be lazy. Well, there's Proverbs 22.13. The sluggard says, There is a lion outside. I will be killed in the streets. Now, of all the excuses not to do the things you don't want to do, this has to be right up there. They make up something to, to avoid doing the things that they don't want to. Uh, many of us know how to avoid the tasks in life like that. Uh, it's always the things that we never quite get around to doing. The spring cleaning, the decluttering, or, or whatever it may be. And we tell ourselves there are more urgent things that need to be done. We don't have enough time. Uh, or there's 26.16. Uh, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. See, the sluggard can't be challenged or, or won't be challenged because none are as wise as him. He laughs at his friends who, who, see, who he sees working hard. Uh, they just don't get it, he says to himself, thinking that he's found the key to life. And while everyone else can see that he's got a problem, he can't see it himself. And some of the proverbs about the sluggard they do make us laugh, but there's also a sense in which we should be saddened by them. It's a tragedy when, when someone ends up like this, stuck in bed, every excuse under the sun, uh, a, a far too high opinion of themselves, but never actually achieving anything in life. It's very hard as a, as a parent, I imagine, to motivate a child who is heading down this path. And this is a, a warning for us, and, and perhaps... It's particularly a warning for, for the teenagers and, and young adults among us. At that stage of life where you have more and more freedom, where people don't check up on you as much, it's so easy to end up like the sluggard. And in our day, where, where technology is everywhere and is everything, you can do a lot without even having to, to leave the confines of your own home, of your own bed. Uh, endless entertainment and gaming, Uber Eats, uh, it's a big responsibility for parents to, to help our children to see the dangers of laziness uh, when we're trying to encourage them uh, in work. To help them to become hardworking, honest, uh, consistent workers who will work hard now uh, for future rewards. So that's the, the challenge that Proverbs and the Bible as a whole uh, lays down for us. Work is good, so work hard. Work with integrity. Beware the dangers of the life of a sluggard. Uh, and as you reflect on, on your own work, uh, both now and, and even in the past, whatever God has given you to do, I wonder how you, how you think it's been going. Are you someone who would be considered a, a wise worker in God's eyes? Uh, I'm sure you'll realize that, that none of us have, have worked as we should. Uh, we, we fail in, in different ways at different times. Uh, but it's only through Jesus that we can actually become wise workers. Telling people to work hard, to, to work with integrity, a Christian knows that it's only possible through Christ, as God's Spirit gives us a new attitude and a new approach to our work. Colossians 3 tells us, Obey your earthly masters in everything, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. 
Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a result. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Here is our motivation in our work. Whatever our work, whatever it may be, as long as it doesn't dishonor God, then it matters to God. And so if we're like uh, the guy I mentioned earlier, Jack, slightly bored in our work, we need to remember that God, God cares about our work. He cares about the way we work as well. If we're like Sally, feeling underappreciated in our work, uh, we also need to remember that God sees us at work. He knows the sacrifices we're making for the good of others. Uh, and one day we will receive an eternal reward that far outweighs the praises that any earthly boss could give us. If we're like Angela, we need to remember that God values the work that we're doing. He sees the importance of the work we're doing, even if society doesn't, even if our children don't see it. He cares about our work, even when others take it for granted. And so our priority mustn't be the praise of others, but pleasing God. But are you a wise worker? Will you be a wise worker? How it, uh, one, one question you might ask yourself is, how, how has my attitude to work changed over the last couple of years? Uh, has it changed for the better or for the worse? Uh, what might you do to get back on track? Uh, one thing we might all do, we're, we're sharing communion soon, uh, reflect on the work of Jesus on our behalf. Take time to reflect on, on exactly what Jesus has done on our behalf. Uh, as we as we read the words together, see his selflessness in working for us. May all of our work be changed by his work for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you uh, created work and that work is a good thing. Uh, but we know that our experiences of, of work haven't always reflected that. And so we ask that you would uh, give us wisdom as we continue to seek uh, to be wise in the way we work. Thank you for the, the different stages that each of us are at in this room. And Father, you know what it means for us to be wise in our work, and so we pray you'd continue to uh, work in our hearts. Help us to keep looking to Christ and seeing all he did for us and being shaped by that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.